It's time for our sermon. Stephen Andrews, if you will come serve with the joy and pitfall of temptation. This is going to be interesting. Isn't it? Stephen Andrews, sir. Losing my grip on something here. <laughs> Um, greetings, brethren. I um, start out this message. I was trying to think of where I wanted to start, so I decided to start in Proverbs, <laughs> of all places. Uh, it's um, in Proverbs twenty-seven, verse twenty. I was really looking for the second part of this, but the first part of it was interesting in that um, uh, I thought maybe I could. See if I could prove this statement in Proverbs, if it was correct or not. And it, and it says here, hell and destruction are, are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. It's interesting, I thought, hell means uh, the grave, and uh, destruction can mean calamity and different things. So, well, I thought, well, I'll just go and look in the, I don't have the newspaper, so I just looked on the, my favorite one is newson6.com uh, uh, on the computer. And sure enough, sure enough, it proved it. One was dead after a car rolls um, over on the Broken Air Expressway. There's the grave. Wagner County, the second one, Wagner County officers rescue a baby trapped in an overturned truck. And there's kind of a little bit of a calamity or destruction. There never, that never ends. It's always there, isn't it? There's always seems like there's something going on in, uh, in life. Those two things are just constant. Well, the second part of this is really what I was looking for, even though that, that proved that proverb, pretty, uh, pretty substantially proved that proverb. Um, the, the second part of it, the eyes, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Um, I have, uh, for all of you that uh, heard him out there screaming, <laughs> a little Eli, I think that was him, I'm not sure, but anyway, uh, we have uh, you know, two of these little uh, grandchildren, and it's interesting, from, the, from birth, I mean from the day they are born, they're constantly gathering information and looking and seeing and, and doing things. And uh, it's interesting also, uh, that um, they take everything in, and, they, and the first thing they want to do is uh, put it in their mouth. <laughs> so you really have to be really careful with babies. You know, they really, they just want to, they, they want to taste, they, they see it, they're, they, they're taking all this in, and then they want to grab it, and they want to eat it. So they stick it in their mouth, and they're eating on it, and they're, they're doing those things. So you have to be real careful with them. But it's, it's true, isn't it? Our eyes are, are never satisfied. We're, all of our life, we're taking in things. We're, you know, unless uh, we get to the point where we have a degenerative disease in the mind, our mind and, and our heart is always taking things in, in, the, in society. And, uh, and <laughs> one of the things that we're taking in is the temptations of the world. Uh, I mean, it's all around us, everywhere. Temptations are uh, on the bookshelves in the stores and in uh, many different places. And so um, we 
there's a lot of things that maybe we've had to overcome in our life uh, that God asks us to overcome or that we see and there's temptations out there. Um, Fran and I were talking about our, our, our problem with smoking when we were you know, many years ago and having to try and overcome that. And, and she was saying one thing, and I was thinking, uh, well, I used to, it was coffee, you know. Uh, coffee never tasted the same. <laughs> it took years. It took years to get that cigarette smoke out of that cup of coffee. <laughs> so, you know, these temptations. And today, the, the worst thing is the drugs. They get hooked on that. Uh, illicit sex. Uh, thievery, violence, and, and look at social media, which, is, which just expands the, the, this through gossip and bullying and different things. So there's a tremendous amount of temptation out, out there. So I've, my, um, my message today, interestingly enough, <laughs> uh, the joy and pitfall of temptation. Uh, you wouldn't think that temptation would have a joy to it, but James seems to think that it does. So let's go to the book of James, and, and let's read what he has to say here. And I guess if we think about it, and we, um, we've been in this way long enough, sometimes we do, we do understand that there is, there is something positive about the, the tests, the trials, the temptations, and the things that we go through that, we, that help us to overcome. But James says one of the things that is a beneficial, now let's just read it here. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into uh, different temptations, diverse temptations, it says. And it means various trials. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works something positive. Patience. <laughs> Patience. So as, our, as, we, as we experience different things, we are we gain patience in our life. And so, but he says, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect entire, wanting nothing. So if, if through these temptations we're building patience, we also are growing and maturing. We're becoming more mature. That's what being perfect is. It's, it's a maturing process. And sometimes it just takes a lifetime. I came in when I was... 20 years old, but I heard earlier than that, and, and many different things have come into my life that have been tests and trials in my life. And it seemed like the, the, you know, right from the beginning, there was those you know, tests and trials that were right there. And it does. It builds patience, waiting on the Lord to intervene. And we're going to read some of the things in, in here. So there's, <laughs> James says there's a joy in that. But there's also a pitfall. So let's, let's drop down to, to verse 12. He says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. That endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So, so there's a problem though. He said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, Neither tempts he any man. So here's what is in our own nature. This is what's part of us. He says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. That's the strong desires. That's the eyes receiving all of this information and the bodies and the, and the different 
things that we desire and sometimes the illicit things that we desire and we get ourselves into certain situations in life and so they become great temptations and it can end up in death because it says our own lust and enticed then when lust has conceived it brings forth sin it brings forth sin and sin when it's finished brings forth death and what he's really if it's not repented it's eternal death I mean, you, if you do not repent of your sins, if you don't not come to God and repent, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the final penalty is the, the lake of fire, eternal death. And that's what it's talking about here. But we hope that um, a great number of mankind will repent and not have to go to that particular part. Now, the word temptation... Uh, I'm just going to concentrate on just that one word. I'd like to read Thayer's uh, explanation of that particular word. Is uh, if I can find it here now. Aha, yeah. G thirty-nine eighty-six. That's of uh, the Greek thirty-nine eighty-six. And this is Thayer's long. Uh, Strong's usually has a couple of lines, and Thayer's usually tries to expand. So I, I thought I'd go to Thayer's today and. Get, and uh, do this because this is what I wanted to concentrate on. I, I just pulled all of these up and we'll just read through them. Uh, there's there's uh, 15 of them all together. Actually, there's probably more than that, but I, I put that many together today to, to bring this out. Uh, an experiment, this is theirs, an attempt, trial, proving. Trial proving, uh, this is 1A. The trial made of you by uh, my bodily condition. Since condition served as the test of love, the Galatians towards Paul, the trial of man one B, the trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy, uh, uh, constancy, uh, an enticement to sin. So one B one is a, an enticement to sin, temptation, whether arising from the desires or from the outward circumstances. He says, uh, 1B2, an internal temptation to sin. Uh, of the temptation by which the devil sought to divert Jesus, the Messiah, from his divine errand. So there's all kinds of these temptations. Of the condition of things or the mental state by which we are enticed to sin or to lapse from, the faith, and, from faith and holiness. Uh, adversity, aff affliction, trouble. Um, he says sent by God, but I, I don't know that that's true, and serving to test or prove one's character, faith, and holiness. Of course, I guess if we're, we're there when the wrath of God comes, out, comes down upon the earth, uh, that will be a, a great uh, test of, of all mankind. Uh, temptation, uh, the one, one C, the last part. Um, the rebellion against God by which his power and justice are as as it were, put to the proof and challenged to show themselves. So these are Thayer's uh, commentary on that one word. A lot, of, a lot of words, a lot of commentary there. But I think you, you get, the, uh, get the point. And the James has set the stage there for those. So let's, let's, do, let's do something and go back to Proverbs. And it's interesting that um, there was a commentary that I 
was reading. Uh, it was a, the, the pulpit Bible commentary. And they did go back to this uh, chapter 7 in Proverbs. And it does talk about a man and a harlot. But let's, what if we just take this word, the, the harlot, as any temptation, and the man is anyone, you and I. doesn't have to be a man. And, and we, um, we use this as an example of, of, of temptation that's out there. There's lots of temptations. Uh, lots of things that can make us go astray, keep us from God's way, keep us in a, in a situation in which uh, we, we become victims of our own desires, our own lust, and we then become more and more apart from God. So let's go to, to verse 4 here. It says, Say to wisdom, you're my sister. And call understanding your kinswoman, that they may keep you from the strange woman, from the stranger which flatters with her words. So from the temptation that's out there. Have, this is wisdom. Let's, let's, let's have some wisdom about this. Let's think about this before we get ourselves into, into trouble. Let's think about this before we take a drug that's going to blow our mind and cause us to go totally insane. For at the, win at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. So see what happens when you get into this kind of temptation? You become void of understanding. I think this is probably very, very... Um, very understanding of what, what happens when we go all the way. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in the twilight and the evening and the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot, subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not on her house. Now she is without, now in the streets, lies and wait in every corner. Isn't it interesting in today's society how that has, be, how that has become a part of the, <laughs> the society of the, these magazines and things are all over the place just to tempt you. And even, it seems like even the uh, uh, news, and, uh, news things are out there um, and they kind of throw those little stuff in if you look on the internet. Fox News, they'll always have a little juicy thing down at the bottom to, to get you to go look at uh, something like this. They're, they're just there as window dressing. So she caught him, kissed him, and an impudent face said to him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. What about the drugs that are given on the street corner? Oh, here, try a little of this. It won't cost you anything. And what happens? You get, you get hooked on it. Now you've got to have it. You've got you to pay for it. You've got to keep going. You've got you to keep doing it. Now you've got to steal to have more drugs. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible, um, sinful thing that happens. 
So therefore I came, for, I, I came I, forth to meet you diligently, to seek your face, and I have found you. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved workings and with fine um, linen of Egypt. I have perfor, uh, perfor, perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace our, our uh, selves with love. For the good man is not at home. He's gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and I will come home, and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fairer speech, she caused him to yield. With flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goes after her immediately as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Isn't that interesting how these words in Proverbs are so profound? And if you just take that and just look at any temptation, any sinful thing that's going on out there, how well it fits, how well they, they draw you in, how well it becomes a part of, oh yeah, I'd just love to, be, to do that. He, he says to the till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare and knows not that it is, uh, it is for his life. Hearken to me now, therefore, O you children, and attend to my words and my mouth. Let not your heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, yea, many young men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to where? To the grave. To hell. <laughs> Going down to the chambers of death. She will lead you in that way. And temptations in this way will lead us to death. If we do not repent, if we, if we don't come to understand that that is leading us astray. Leading us in the, in the wrong way. So let's go to... Let's go to the wise words of Jesus in Matthew, the sixth chapter. As he gave us a, the sample prayer, and in it he also asked us to pray for something. In verse 13, he says, And lead us not into temptation. We're asked to go to God, and we're asking him to help us. And we should. We ask him to help us. Some temptations are very bad. You know, some things, some trials that we go through maybe help us with patience, but temptations such as drugs and illicit sex and those kind of things are so bad for us. So he's asking, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. If the evil one is out there trying to pull you in, ask God to deliver you from those things. And he ends with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We know the rest of that prayer. I just wanted to point out that temptation that we might have, we can always take it to God and say, Father, take this away from me. I would like to be rid of it. I would like to be free of it. I would like to not have that in my life. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, it's interesting in this, this great trial that uh, Jesus was going through, he, he was concerned about his disciples. In verse 41, he says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. 
isn't this interesting what he says here? Because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I mean, just like what Paul says in, in Corinthians. I mean, there's that struggle that is inside of us. There's that, that, that thing that's going on with the flesh versus the spirit. We know what the Bible says, but sometimes the temptations are great, and so we give in. And we allow that to, to, to come into our life, and yet we should be praying. As Jesus said, watch and pray that you enter not into that temptation, because that may be the temptation that, that puts you over the, over the hill, that causes you to leave this way of life. So be careful. In Luke, the fourth chapter, as I said, I'm just, all I did was just pick this, this one word um, and, and the verses that came with it. And, it. and they turned out to be fairly, fairly interesting, and they, and they flowed really well together and from Jesus' words even to, to Paul's and, and, uh, and even in the book of Revelation. There's many things about this. Luke, the fourth chapter, and beginning in verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. We talked about this the last time that I spoke. That, uh, that the Bible says that from the, from the time that Jesus walked into the, to the wilderness, he began to tempt Jesus. It was 40 days of, Je of, of, of Satan tempting him. Of tempting him with this, with that, with this, with that. And Jesus said... To him, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You know, he, he quoted back, but the devil was tempting him. And he departed from him, from him. There was a power there through Jesus Christ that he could not, he could not get to. And it was the power of the Spirit that dwelled. It was the power of God. It was the power that walked on this earth. And it was the power that overcome Satan. And so we have that, we have the capability to go to God, to go to the Father, to go to, to Jesus and ask them to help us through our temptations. To ask them, especially when we have uh, the, uh, the spiritual temptations in our life. In Luke, the eighth chapter, we find out that there was a, the sower of the seed, that there was, there's, there's some places that have nothing but stony ground. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Nothing but stony ground for the seed to, to, to go on to. And it says, they, are, they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. There's some understanding of the word, isn't there? There's some understanding there. And they receive it with some joy. They, they look forward to it. And... And these have no root. No root. I think this, in, these, this parable is so very profound. Taking the seeds and broadcasting them in different places and then showing how this matches individuals that might come along, that might come to understand this way. They have no root, which for a while believe and in the time of temptation, the time of testing that will come upon all Christians when they first come into this way of life, they fall away because they have no root. So those temptations, they take them away. We hope and we pray that someday 
in the kingdom or whenever, God will bring them to understanding that, what that, that situation in their life. Okay, in Luke, the 22nd chapter, in verse 28, and I think all of us pretty much know the stories behind these. I, um, I, could, I could read everything there, but I, I'm really just focusing on this idea of this temptation that comes upon us, the testing and the trials and the, and the things that come, and being aware, being aware of what might, might take us away from this truth, might take us out of this way of life, giving us a more strength to go to God, to, to, to want to have his, his strength so that we can overcome these temptations and these trials. Verse 28, let's see here. Um, Um, I might read a little bit more of this, uh, Brian. I, I, this one here, just this one verse is kind of hard to, to get the feel for it. And he says, um, is, there was strife in verse 24. There was strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? Now the disciples were, were, were arguing over this. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is the greatest among you, let him be the younger. He that is chief, as, a, as he does, as he that does serve. And whether is greater, he that sits at meat, or he that serves, is not uh, he that sits at meat, but I am among you as one that serves. So Jesus set us the example by serving and giving of himself. He gave his life. He served until he gave himself completely. He fought with, with Satan. He fought temptations and trials. And he said, you are they which have continued with me in my temptations. He was tempted without sin. This is the point we, we must get in our own heart. He was tempted without sin. He says, and I appoint to you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed to me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he had a tremendous blessing for the, for the disciples, but they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus was helping them to understand that those that serve and, and, and are able to overcome great temptations... Uh, or those are going to win, are going to be a part in the kingdom. And there's great comfort in the Bible. I, I, I have always been comforted by the, the words that come from the Bible, and especially this one here. Trials and tribulations can be a very great burden, especially if there are those that are sick in a family, if we're caregivers or anything like that, or if there's a, a death, and we, we just feel like that this is such a great trial, and we're not sure everything, but there is... It, there's great comfort in, in God's word because he says in, verse, in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and beginning in verse uh, 12, he says, Wherefore, let him think... <laughs> Let's try it again. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Isn't that wonderful to hear that? God is faithful. 
he has he doesn't um, he doesn't turn his back on you he's called you he's with you he's there when you have trials and temptations and trial and, 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 and troubles God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with that temptation also make a way of a, a way to escape that you may be able to bear it in the in the middle of a great trial in the middle of any any great situation that might come up in your life there is also there's that time in which you you bear a burden uh, and you may bear that burden to the point where you may feel like you can't go on and you can't make it any further. And it's important to understand and go back to this scripture that that, that trial, even though it may seem great and profound and strong, is something that you can overcome because God can bring you through it. But will with that with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I've told the story so many times, but I think it's, it's important to understand that no matter what you think the situation is, if you are God's child, He will bring you through it. I've told this story before, but I might as well tell it again. Um, and most of you are very familiar with my uh, early... Um, coming into the church and how that it, uh, I was very ignorant, <laughs> uh, especially about things about the world and the, what was going on in the world. And uh, um, when I came into the church, it was conscience objector. All right, that's, you know, I, I didn't want to fight. I didn't want to go out. And I understood the Bible and I've been reading and the things and I, I, I wanted to be a conscience objector. And so I applied, and everything seemed to be against me. I mean, it was just like there was just a hammer here or a hammer there, and it was just one thing after another. It just, just didn't seem, and of course, I was making one mistake after another. Um, you don't do that with the government. You send a, if you end up with making mistakes with the government and, and, and doing certain things, you end up uh, in jail. So, yeah, and that's what happened. And... Uh, so I, I was spending a little bit of time there. And it was interesting. I didn't know that God would make a way of escape. But I believed the scriptures. I believed the scripture. And I kept turning to this. And I kept praying that he would you know, give, me, give me relief. Because he'd give me the whole sentence. It was back five years back then. And uh, there wasn't any, any light at the end of the tunnel. Even though there was others that were making some some inroads to it. And uh, there, there came along a man by the name of Cassius Clay, and he decided he was going to become a Muslim, change his name, and he decided he wasn't going to go and fight. Well, all of a sudden now this, this guy uh, goes to court and he wins. And what happens is they open the door to all the conscientious objectors. And 
you know, that were put into prison because now there's a precedent. And so I spent about two months of a, probably a five-year sentence in jail. I had no idea. I, I was prepared to, to, to do as long as I had to do it. Although sometimes they put me on the, uh, on the outside uh, working in the yards and things. And uh, talk about temptation. Now there's you some temptation. These bars that they put you in behind, and then they put you outside of those bars, you are really tempted to walk away. But then you get thinking, well, if I walk away, I'm going to be in here for a lot longer than that. So, you know, just understand that this is true, that God will intervene for you. He will help you through. And there may come some great trials and tribulations in our life that we will have to overcome and we'll have to get through. And I love this scripture and I, I go to it whenever there's a need. Let's go to 1 Timothy now. Next one here. Let's hope I wrote the right one down here. I think I did. 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. My, uh, when I was at home, my nose was totally dry. And as soon as I got here, it's, uh, <laughs> and you get up here, it's like, you know, I have to daub it ever so often, so I apologize. Beginning of verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I love that. I love that statement. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can take nothing out. That's why, we, uh, that's why we have wills, so we can give it away to our children. And hopefully they will use it to, to better benefit themselves. For we brought, I uh, just read that, and having food and raiment, let us be therefore content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I, I, I never will have that problem. <laughs> I never will have, I, I might like to try it sometime, but maybe, maybe this is true. Maybe there is a, maybe there is a problem. I know that um, some men uh, that have been very, very rich have also not had very good marriages. They've, uh, um, and then even had divorces and, and split their, their fortunes because their wife wanted, wanted more money than, than he was giving them. So riches can be a blessing and they can be a very big curse and they can be a very great temptation. There are a temptation and a, stare, and a snare, it says in verse 9, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which <clears throat> drown men in destruction and perdition. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's interesting. I, you want to be comfortable and be contented, but maybe not just filthy rich, which you know, might, might provide uh, a door for a lot of sorrows. He says, but you, O man of God, O man of God, that's us, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. 
These are the good things in our life. Whether you have any money at all, follow these things. These are the good things in our life. Righteousness. The, the, the law of God, the way of God, the, 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 the beauty of God's truth. Godliness, being like Jesus Christ to the best of our ability. That's, that's our goal, isn't it? Faith and love, love for one another. And patience, <laughs> those trials that we come under, building that patience and meekness. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunder you also are called and professed a good profession before many witnesses. We all ought to witness that we look forward to the kingdom of God, that we look forward to that day when the kingdom of God is on this earth and he is ruling. And that righteousness begins to fill the whole earth. Hebrews, the third chapter now, Hebrews 3, and verse 8. And of course, I've read this one so many times. But it's, it's inter interesting that with all the miracles that they had in the wilderness, that God would have to say this to his children. And I'm going to read just these. I've got um, 8, 9, 10, 11, and I didn't put that in my deal. But let's... He said, today, if you will hear his voice, that's verse 7, at the end of verse 7, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, it was, um, <laughs> a lot of it was the, the Israelites sinning that was the problem. When Moses would leave, they went to sinning. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works, 40 long years, would it take us that long to see the power of God? I, th I think not. We, we are able to see God's power and, and believe in Jesus even though we, we don't see him. We know that he sacrificed his life. We know what God's done. And God said he's, he was grieved with that generation. He said they, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. We should accept the things that come in our life, but never reject God. Never reject Christ. Never reject this way of life that he's given us. Be thankful for it. And sometimes we might have trials and tribulations, but be thankful for the blessings that, that God has given us. And be thankful that he has got our heart in the kingdom of God in our life in the kingdom of God. First Peter, so it was made, made it easy, I just went down one, one, one right after the other in the, in the, uh, on my uh, iPad, uh, search engine. First Peter 1, uh, 3 through 8, it says, uh, yes, that's right. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a lively hope in, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved uh, in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through the faith to salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you, are greatly, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. 
you know, sometimes when they come upon us, there is a, a great heaviness because of the temptations and the, and the trials, the various testings that might come up. He says, that trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to happen when all of these things that happen in our life and all the trials and tribulations that happen, that's what the glory that we'll receive in the kingdom will be the, the result by being faithful, be, being loyal, by going through those trials and te tests without griping and grumbling as the Israelites did, but being thankful that God is with us and will bring us through those. Let's see. Whom, having not seen, you love, and whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That's a hope that we have, the end of this life, the kingdom of God. Second Peter, the second, cha uh, second chapter. Second Peter and 2 and verse 9. This is, a good, this is another one of those good ones to read. When you're in a, those trials and those tribulations or whenever, you, whenever you're, you're burdened with them. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of the temptations and to reserve the unjust into the day of judgment to be punished. Very simple. He knows how to deliver us out of those tests, those trials, those tribulations. Now, I remember one time it said, well, it, all things change. All things end. And um, we all um, see that. Revelation, the third chapter, Revelation 3. This is the Philadelphia church. We're very familiar with this, but Maybe we didn't realize that they also had to go through some, something. Revelation 3, beginning in verse 9. Actually, let's, let's begin in verse, uh, let's begin in verse 8. I'll read this whole thing. It's verse 7, actually. Um, sorry, Brian. <laughs> I keep looking back further and further back. The angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things, says he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, shuts and no man opens. He says, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. No man can shut it, for you have little strength, kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of my patience, I also will keep, my, uh, keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. There is going to come a time, brethren, uh, there, when the wrath of God will come upon this world, on the whole world, not just, not just uh, places in the world, but on the whole world. It will be a time of great trial, great uh, tribulation and great temptation, great testing of all humanity. Behold, I, he says, I come quickly. Hold that, hold that fast which you have, that no man take your crown. So that there's a potential in that 
time of trial and tempting and, and, and tribulation that we might want to give up. But those that have the Spirit of God deeply within are not going to give up. They're going to continue because they see that that crown of life is very close. That no man take your crown. You hold on to that crown. Don't let any man take it. He's given it to you. He says it's there. And then he says, He that overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall no more go out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. So not only will we have a place in the kingdom, but we'll have a new name, and we'll, no telling what, what all we'll have is a part of that. So let's go back to the book of James. As I read a few scriptures here in conclusion, because James has some parting words here, or not parting, but it was part of, part of the, uh, the book of James here, that I think is an encouraging thing uh, to read and helps us to understand um, how we should be in these end times or in our life um, and how we should act and, and, and do things. He said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, in, in James, the first chapter, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, so it's talking to us. It comes down from the centuries, but it's talking to us. Because we're the ones alive now. Those that were James and all of those that were living when he wrote this are all dead. They all died. They're all waiting for the resurrection of the dead. But we're alive, and so they're pertinent to us. They mean something to us. He says, Wherefore, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Boy, those are tremendous words. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. See what happens when mobs get together? You have wrath. You have violence. You have insanity that seems to run in those mobs. <clears throat> you want to stay away from them. You see a mob getting together, you want to stay away from that. You want to run the opposite direction. <laughs> even, if they're, even if it's a peaceful mob, you might want to run the other way because they might, there might be somebody that incited it to, to, to a horrible thing because it says that the, the wrath of, God, of man works not the righteousness of God. So being angry doesn't achieve, in, those, in that situation, doesn't achieve that righteousness. He says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So that's the reason why we read and we keep. We keep the Sabbath, the holy days. To the best of our ability, we keep the words that, we, that God is teaching us. We do what we can um, to the best of our ability as God trains us and teaches us and, and helps us. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way, immediately forgets what manner of man he was. Yeah, it gets to be pretty bad when you get older to look at yourself in the, in the mirror. Um, you'd like to be able to forget that. You know, the mirrors are everywhere, so it's kind of hard. But the point is that you need to inculcate that character and understand who you are. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the Word of God, 
and comes therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And I, under, I underscored that. This man shall be blessed in his deed, being a doer and understanding the perfect law of liberty. He says, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man, religion is vain. So there's an importance about making sure that what we say is, is a righteous thing to say. That we say good things. And, and uh, you know, what, what needs to be said um, has to be carefully said. Now, all those words, God remembers, uh, somehow they're, they're kept. I, mean, I remember um, science classes were saying, I, mean, I, I think there was even one movie where um, these broadcasts, they go out into the space, and if you went out far enough, you might be able to actually take and catch one of those old broadcasts. <laughs> what about those old words that get spewed out there, and they're not what you really wanted to say? It's hard to take that back. <laughs> Whoops. Hey, let me have that word back. I, I don't like that word I just said. And when I was younger, there was a lot of those old ugly words that I used to say. <laughs> I had to give them up. I would have loved to have understood better and to have taken, not, not had to, to done that. But uh, I, I repented of it. So thankfully I don't do that anymore. And I'm, I'm very happy with that. But still, like I said, once it's out, it's out. You can't take it back. And it might hurt someone. If a man among you seems to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So he tells us what true religion is. He gives us an understanding of what true religion is. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father, is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the word. Brethren, there's a lot of temptations that come upon us in this life. But God has said there's a way out of them. He says also that there's a joy when we build patience going through those trials and those temptations. But there can be also pitfalls if we don't have God's Holy Spirit that guides us and leads us through those. We hope that those trials and tribulations and all of that will be... Um, gone when we come into the kingdom of God and we can then rejoice greatly at what we've gone through in, in this life and be there with God the Father and Jesus Christ in his kingdom.